wanted to let you guys know that we actually did record this episode a few months back now but we've got lots of amazing pre-recorded episodes coming out for you with some fantastic guests Today's episode is actually on separation anxiety and as a lot of you may know I do actually specialise now in the area of separation anxiety. When recording this I was actually just coming to the end of my training and I think very very soon after recording I did qualify as an SA Pro trainer with Julie Naismith. So of course we will be covering all things separation anxiety including my own journey with separation anxiety with my own puppy Luna. I really hope you enjoy today's episode. So welcome back to the next episode of the For Dog's Sake podcast. As always, you're here with me, Louise Campbell-Pearson, the founder of Canine Friends. And we have the lovely... Hey, Gordon, founder of Blue Mar Minion, and I also run Good Guardianship. And as always, we've got a fantastic guest on for you today, who I will let introduce herself, because honestly, she's got too many qualifications for me to run through. <laughs> but <laughs> we've got the lovely Jodie here. Over to you, Jodie. Hiya, my name's Jodie and I am the founder of JG Behaviour Dog Training. I specialise in separation anxiety predominantly. I've mainly specialised in that over the years because I'm super passionate about it um, and I absolutely love working with dogs with separation anxiety. I have a Master's in Clinical Animal Behaviour, so I'm quite qualified in that area and I went on to do Julie Smith's course um, to proceed in separation anxiety in itself really and I've just led on from there I also like working with puppies as well that's my specialist area they do kind of come hand in hand really because I get a lot of puppies with separation anxiety problems which is normal uh, very normal in puppies um, but they come hand in hand really well I also am doing so so Jodie's also my mentor on the essay pro course with Julie Naismith which you've heard me talk about in other episodes which I'm a big big fan of and a big big fan of her methods obviously um you know there's some great books as well if you're not sure about some of her stuff be right back it's a really fantastic book by Julie yeah just check that out if you're kind of not sure what we're talking about but how I got into my journey with learning about becoming an essay pro myself was through having my own puppy with separation anxiety and I was always told always told puppies don't have separation anxiety puppies learn it because you don't leave them and they're never exposed to it and I had always kind of had this in my head and and it's totally wrong by the way completely wrong and I had a big 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 learning curve uh, by learning this myself because I went to a fantastic reputable breeder as I've mentioned in other episodes the breeder is brilliant she's from great stock I don't really like that word but you know she's got great lineage um she none of her parents have ever had anxiety related issues none of her siblings have but Luna of course it would be my dog Luna has a whole host of little quirks I like to call them um but she came home and she came home at eight weeks old. And what um, Jodie probably doesn't know is I also had, the Jay does know a lot of, I also had to have uh, three surgeries back to back off the back of getting Luna, very unexpectedly. Um, so I was also completely incapacitated. However, that impacted a whole other area of things like getting her out and little exposure to the world in the right time. But she had separation anxiety from day one. <laughs> so she came home. And to be honest, the first few days we didn't we didn't try leaving her because you didn't want to, you know, which Jodie will probably explain a little bit more better than I will. But you have what's called secure attachment. And that's basically letting your puppy or child even know I'm if you cry, I'm going to come back because then if you know I'm there, you don't need to worry. You don't if you know I'm going to cry, you're going to cry. I'm going to come back. And you don't need to worry. Therefore, you don't need to cry is basically what I'm trying to say. Um, so I kind of went back when it, so we had two days. 
Then we started to just do little micro departures. I mean, like going into the toilet, having a wee and coming back and not taking her in with me or just shutting the door. And I noticed quite early on, she really, really couldn't cope with that. And she'd be quite distressed just in the length of time for me to go to the toilet and come back. So I was like, okay, we'll scrap that. I'll just let her follow follow me in there because it was really, really, un- she was finding it really, really unsettling. And like, it just snowballed from that. And I don't think it's because I did that. It was just, I didn't, it took me doing that to notice that she had this underlying anxiety related thing. And it was so not normal or what I'd been told was more normal. For another example would be on day six, I had her in the bathroom on the floor while I was in the bath and I had my hand over the edge of the bath and she was completely beside herself and I sat in the bath and cried because I was just like, I don't understand. I mean, I, I was like surgery number two. Um, you know, I was fit and wasn't feeling great. I wasn't sleeping um, because of pain and also the fact we had an eight week old puppy. <laughs> and she was just on the floor, like absolutely beside herself. I had to pick her up. Um, and, well, I actually had to get out of the bath because I had surgery on my arm. But I had to get, and get on the floor, like just in a towel to calm her down because um I think she weed and pooed and she she like has never weed and pooed um in that kind of context ever and to this day hasn't and I know it's related to how she was feeling um so anyway after about three four weeks of this going on I was like this is I've what do I do I, I need help and I reached out to a local behaviorist who pointed me in the direction of Julie's book be right back there's a puppy version which I bought and basically after a while, like two chapters in, I was like, oh, yeah, this is what this is. And that's when I actually um, signed up as a client and then loved the methods and have had great success. It has regressed since we've moved a little bit, working on it again now. Um, but, yeah, we have had great success now. And that's why I'm training to be an SA pro. And I think I think that's it, though, isn't it? You hit the nail on the head because it 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 isn't it's not. It, people think it's not normal in terms of puppies having separation anxiety and it really is and sometimes you can do everything to a tee um, completely right from the start and you've still got a puppy with separation anxiety some are more predisposed mm-hmm. to it than others um, generally all puppies aren't independent when we first get them anyway so in the early stages it's really normal for them to follow us everywhere want to be in the toilet with us all of those kind of things but then you can have a, another level of it like you kind of did and, and she could have well been picking up on your stress as well from the surgery um, that's also a factor there she may have been picking up on those things as well ever so slightly but you can get a dog that is more predisposed to having separation issues and um, mm. we can't we can't we can't help that um, and, it, and it is normal because well dogs are a social species at the end of the day as well so it isn't normal for them to be on their own mm. either no this is expectation as well right you know puppies come from a litter they've been with other other beings their whole life so far and we bring them home and expect them to settle in a crate within two weeks downstairs on their own (laughs) and then get frustrated when that doesn't happen I mean we we didn't do that and we had her in a crate in our room um which she eventually did kind of cope with but we ended up scrapping the crate because as Jodie will tell you a lot of dogs with separation anxiety don't do well um, in a confined space um and we did actually get to the point where she was quite well acclimatized to it and actually did she tolerated it if I'm honest with myself she would tolerate it and go to sleep and I was like do I really want to force her tolerating something when actually she's much happier and still sleeps on she just sleeps by the crate if I leave it open she doesn't get on the bed she does now 
back then she'd just sleep on her bed and she'd be fine and would sleep all night and all our problems went away with the nighttime like that <laughs> yeah exactly and another another a big concern I get from owners actually is concerned about their puppy sleeping with them um, in their bedrooms or on their bed and I can assure you now it does not cause separation anxiety it is absolutely fine for your dogs to sleep on your bed or on the floor um, obviously that's personal preference with the owner some owners don't want that so we can absolutely work towards moving them away but actually having puppies with you in the early stages particularly the first few weeks in your bedroom has so many benefits in terms of building that nice attachment and the puppy feeling safe and secure with you rather than trying to get them in that kitchen in a crate where they're on their own and they're totally distressed yeah I mean that the crate situation can actually cause more problems than it than it solves um not every dog some dogs cope really well from night one and actually do go downstairs and go to sleep but you know you have complete other ends of the spectrum and both are normal but there's nothing wrong with your dog if your one does one or the other we just have to learn to be more accepting that there isn't a one size fits all, all approach with puppies in particular um, or with dogs in general anyway, um, you know, especially when it comes to training behavior modification that it just is never one size fits all approach. And and that's what you're you know, that's what you're paying to get when you see a trainer and someone who's qualified and experienced. You're paying for someone to have all the knowledge and the experience to piece all these different things together to find out what works for your dog as an individual yeah and that's why like speaking you know I I've said to Jodie can I speak to you about my dog about separation anxiety because I'm struggling to um pull the pieces together because I'm too emotionally involved and that doesn't mean that I don't know about separation anxiety I'm really knowledgeable it doesn't mean I can't help other people but when you're when you are emotionally you know involved with it and you do just want to like go to the supermarket and you're getting frustrated and you do just want to be able to go out for that dinner at a non-dog friendly restaurant for once or go to the cinema you know you do get frustrated and you do set unrealistic expectations on yourself and the dog and that's why having someone external coming can really really help with that because they can remind you of like where you are where you've come, what to do next, when you're feeling confused, and when you're feeling like it's too much, it's overwhelming, you can't do it. Having that support is really, really, really important, particularly with separation anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually, I urge owners to get support when you've got a puppy, because it's it's so important. If you can get it right from day one, like I can go into a puppy and I can tell straight away if they're going to cope in the crate or not, particularly how the owners first few nights have gone and then we can just amend that straight away and just have no issues going forward well minimal issues obviously mm-hmm. uh, we can yeah, we yeah. can you know we can minimize the issues getting worse um going forwards by just getting that plan in place right rather than the owner i usually what i get usually three months down the line we've tried him downstairs every night we're having to keep going down to the puppy every every few hours and i'm like you know this this dog's not coping the moment that goes upstairs sleep through the night it goes to sleep yeah Yeah. I had I had one of my separation anxiety clients you know they 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 literally said to me you know we're still not sleeping and I think the he's now about the same age as Luna so eight months old and I was like guys what are you trying to gain like honestly like let's just pick our battles here um and you know look just prop just try it for a week just because, you know, they were worried about that they wouldn't sleep. And I said, I promise you do adjust. Like I said to them, it's like when yeah. you, you know, you, you get a new partner and then you start sharing a bed, you get used to having a body next to you. And then, you know, at first it's a bit weird, but you do get used to it. That's a bit, for example, yeah. dog sleeping on your bed. Yeah. And our next session, which was a week later, 
oh my god it was brilliant I don't know why we didn't do this sooner and the dog's more settled and they said to they said to me we actually think he's better in the day as well now and that's because your dog's getting a good night's sleep and we do know sleep has such an effect on the brain and any kind of behavioral issue in general like I mean we know that as people when you don't get a good night's sleep how much it affects you the next day and if you're not sleeping and your puppy or dog's not sleeping because you think it needs to be in a crate just just remove that obstacle from 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 the kind of you know course just get rid of it don't make life harder for yourself totally okay if your dog and you feel more comfortable with a different setup yeah I'll, I'll totally go along with that as well because although Finn doesn't he's he has what I call FOMO he thinks if I go and do something it, I'm doing interesting stuff without him um but at about <laughs> that same sort of age about eight months he started to really kind of kick off in the crate and I had no idea what was going on and it got to the point where I was so sleep deprived that I just decided if it came to it I'd recarpet the bedroom if he made a mess so left the crate door open he went in as normal five minutes later he came out looked around hopped up on the bed flat out whole night and that's where he has slept ever since and it was like it was like throwing a switch all of a sudden I got sleep and it was bliss yeah I know. And and that's the response a lot of owners say to me, though. It's like as soon as the dog goes up a week later, they're like, thank goodness, we're all getting some sleep. The dog's so much better and they always wish they'd done it sooner. So I highly recommend anyone that's unsure about it, just go for it. Because yeah. honestly, within a week's time, you will you'll feel so much better. Yeah, um, totally. And not only in terms of the sleep but in terms of the attachment again you know if your dog's with you and sleeping they're not panicking that you're going to leave them they're not worrying where you're going to go next and getting all those negative experiences on their own so they're going to get more independent the more safe that they feel and the less distressed they get alone in general that independence will grow naturally um, over time as well well obviously with the separation training as well they're going to need that along the side to build independence but it will grow more and more definitely yeah, and also like it's it's important to say like crate training can be really great. It can be a really useful tool, but and it's and it's okay to do that. So don't be listening to this and thinking, oh my god, I shouldn't be putting my dog on a crate. Crate training when done when done you know positively is fantastic, but you don't need to force your you and your puppy to continue with it if after like two months you're getting no progress. You know, yeah. you know, like give it some time. Of course, if it's something that's important to you. But but there's there is a fine you know there, there is a tipping point where you just go actually what may, write down why actually is you want that is it because you think yes. it's something you should do or is it because there's a practical reason safety reason for example why I don't know while while you you need your puppy to be in there so it's totally okay either way <laughs> exactly there's there's huge benefits to crates I mean I crate train my puppy from day one because I want him to be used in, in the car in the crate mm. um if he goes to the vets I want him in a, in you know to be used to being confined in an area so I yeah. wanted him crate trained however nighttime and daytime would he settle in there at all he hasn't got separation issues luckily but would he settle in his crate absolutely not so I had to make that decision to actually overnight we're not in the crate anymore because you're not coping that's absolutely fine um but he would go in there if I told him to and sit there and wait and be absolutely fine but he just wouldn't chill in there and go to sleep so again it's assessing why like you said why do you need it what's important for you for you and your dog because it's definitely beneficial to create them and I have clients with puppies that 
you know, they sleep overnight in the crate and they're absolutely fine and go to sleep in the day in the crate because they find it a super safe area and a really nice positive den area. And some puppies like that. So some like that cozy den area and that confinement, like being all snug and others absolutely hate yeah. being confined and need to see what's going on. Yeah, that's um, Luna. So, yeah. That is Luna. <laughs> you always oh. have to see exactly what's going on. Although having said that, you know, she's just downstairs sleeping on her own and this is a this this brings me into another point that that is a common misconception you know people go oh but you know they're they're downstairs on their own they're comfortable your dog knows you're there they exactly oh but they're fine in the garden for half an hour on their own your dog knows you're there (laughs) it is you know and you're not walking out of a door shutting them in it and then and then they're stuck in a confined space because your house is a large confined space (laughs) It's a very exactly. different thing. Um, so that's important as well to keep in mind because that's another myth where people think, oh, well, my dog's fine downstairs. It must not be separation anxiety because they're not necessarily a Velcro dog all the time because there are different yeah. types of attachment as well. You've got hyper attachment where a dog is hyper attached to one specific person or maybe two people within the household and they can't be with anyone else. Um, but I'll let our expert talk to you a little bit more about <laughs> that. <laughs> Well, yeah, you've got the attachment and then you've also got dogs that just can't cope on their own. doesn't matter mm. like who leaves, they, they don't care. It's just they don't want to be in that space on their own, simply just on their own. So there's absolutely different types of separation anxiety. So, for example, yes, is it that person that's leaving? So it's important to identify this, to be honest, when you start the training as well, that is it a particular person they're attached to? Because if it is, we need to start letting the dog learn that there's other people in their life um, other than that one person mm. by getting, you know, getting them to maybe walk, go for a walk with somebody else or get someone else dog sit them. So we can do other things in that way. If it's about the dog not being okay just in the house in general, it's like, why is that? Is there something else going on? Is there noises going off in the house that the dog's scared about? Um, so we have to look at look at that as well. If it's not a particular person, is it is it because something else is going on in the home or is it simply they just don't want to be on their own? Um, and not only have we got fear of being alone, we've also got frustration. So there's a lot of different mm. different areas. And it's it's quite tricky to rule out in and out anxiety and frustration because they can look quite similar sometimes when you leave the dog because a dog will bark and whine and howl and escalate their response. And they could be anxious and they could be frustrated. They could be both. If I'm ever suspicious of a dog that's frustrated, I would make sure that heavily that that dog's needs have been met. So walks, enrichment, food, etc. Make sure all of their needs have been been met before they start any of that training, um, because we don't want that dipping into frustration because the owner's leaving them and not taking them for a walk, for example, mm. um, and getting frustrated by that. So, yeah, there's different ways of tackling it depending on what's going on and and separation anxiety I tend to try and term it as a separation related issue more than anything because I think you know there's so many different areas to it and we just have to work out why the dog's doing it in the first place yeah and also for example Luna she's got what we'd call generalized anxiety as well so you know hers wasn't just separation related she is a very anxious dog and she is on medication um medication can play a really important role in in anxiety related disorders separation anxiety it's not always needed it can help different medication works for different dogs um different every case is individual so there isn't one size fits all with that some people go on the first medication their dog tries and they see masses of improvement others it takes three or four different you know goes over months and months of trying different things so you know there are also 
general anxiety. So for Luna, it was she was very um, she had very high levels of what we call sound reactivity. So first of all, when you get that, you get a vet check. You make sure there's nothing medical going on because sound reactivity, for example, is very highly linked to um, you know pain. Um, the recent studies have shown so again vet check is always a really important thing of any kind of extreme behavior that your dog's exhibiting whether that is reactivity anxiety barking but like to the extreme and repetition this isn't just a one-off occasion this is this is something that's happening over and over and over and over which I guess brings us on to kind of if you could explain what are the things to look for for our listeners in in separation anxiety that difference between that normal puppy behavior or normal in inverted commas puppy behavior versus a puppy that may or may not have separation anxiety and also the same for an adult dog perhaps say if it's a rescue I guess for puppies we're all going to get we're all going to get the typical whining and whinging in puppies at some point. So we need to bear that in mind. What we don't want to do is let that escalate. So, for example, what I tend to look for is if a puppy is sort of, if, say, we was crate training them and we was trying to settle them down to go to sleep and they had a little a little whinge, um, but then they settled down after a few seconds, that is can be quite normal and typical for puppies but what you're wanting to look for is does that escalate if that escalates in a puppy and it's going on that isn't normal so yes we can get that little whinge and then they settle down but what you would will find in a normal puppy is that won't happen every time you put them to settle down or you leave them so it won't happen every single time it will be quite intermittent whereas a dog that's got separation anxiety well a puppy it's going to go on and on and on and it's going to happen every single time that you either in the crate or leave them leave the house so the difference there is the the frequency of of the behavior how 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 long is that going on duration and how long is that going on for so yeah so in in short look look for is it a whinge and they settle that's fine or does it escalate um and again you know puppies are going to whinge and moan and you'll start you'll start to understand their different whines and moans like for example mine if, if I leave the house he's okay and then but when I first got him when I used to come upstairs I'd get like a kind of whinge and then he'd go <laughs> and then he'd settle down so it was more of a like we all know that we all know that and you've got a dog you just you know that like <laughs> yeah exactly. and then and then, a, and then an, an audible yeah and you're like okay okay. (laughs) but then he yeah exactly and he'd just go and it was more like where you going I didn't want you to go yet upstairs but fine you've gone and then he'd just hop and settle down Mm -hmm. and it was fine so again that looking for that is it escalating um if you've got a adult dog with separation anxiety I guess there's lots of things that we need to be looking for here um firstly just going on to actually in terms of like other things that, that can contribute to it if it's a new behavior in your adult dog get a medical check just as uh, Louise was saying with with her like other areas about the sound sensitivity get a medical check if it's a new behavior um because if 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 they've just had separation anxiety start occurring and they was once okay there's potentially a medical issue going on there um because I've had I've had frequently many dogs with with medical issues um that have then got separation anxiety and once the medical issues sorted the dog's fine on their own again in terms of 
Um, signs that you want to look for though, if your dog's always had separation anxiety from a puppy into adulthood, for example, when they're on their own, is the, the general signs that I was kind of explaining a little bit in when, when the puppies escalate, but barking, whining, howling, pacing, we may get some destruction particularly at the doorways that you've left from or the windows. Um, if you've got a dog that's reactive to noises, you might get a lot at, or the, at the postman coming or people going past the windows, you might get a lot of react, like it, destruction at the window. Um, so that might not just be separation anxiety. You might have a, an issue with sound reactivity or people going past the house there as well that's contributing to your separation anxiety. Um, we also need to be looking for, is the dog toileting when you leave? when you leave them as well so again I get a lot of owners say that the, the puppies are you know fully toilet trained and then uh, but they're weeing when they're left on their own and, and the toilet training is not sorted yet again that's a separation issue usually um, if they're okay and toilet trained in the day and then you've got toilet in coming on when mm. they leave context is really important Absolutely. right it's you know is this the normal behavior or is this something that never happens but only happens in this exactly. context yeah so that's really important to look for and and similarly with all the behaviors i've just explained actually like barking whining howling you know does your dog do that when when you're around you know do they bark at the window go at the blinds and try and pull the blinds down but it doesn't end up being destroyed because you're there to stop it but when you leave the house they do that behavior so are they anxious so it is really important that we are like well observing our dogs when we leave the house I guess on camera so we know exactly what is going on in the first place um you will see more subtle behaviors with separation anxiety as well though so other behaviors that we want to be looking for is like a low tail tension in the face you might get lip licking um, yawning so there's lots of subtle behaviors and these are the behaviors that are usually missed by clients so when they're trying to build up their dogs to being on their own they've usually missed all these behaviors um, and then the dog's gone into barking whining and howling so there are all subtle signs of anxiety you can see as well um, I guess in terms of the rescue dogs again sim similar signs that you're going to see if they've got a separation issue you might not see all of these again every dog's different um but with a with a dog that's been in a rescue what we've got to bear in mind is it could that you know they have they ever been on their own have they always been in kennels what is their background you know was they once a street dog and now we're trying to confine them into a really small space in the house that they're not used to so we really mm -hmm. have to think about these things and what I tend to do with a lot of rescues is try and build up their confidence first at home with the owner and making sure that they feel safe and happy with that owner which can take three months you know, or three months three you know to a year it can take a long time yeah I mean they say like the average time I think for rescue six it's, months like average exactly like something like that yeah so that's it and I think it, it's it's just about bearing those things in mind when you've got a rescue they might not be ready for that home alone training yet that's what we have to bear in mind I mean I have worked with a lot of rescues as well and we've started off the training alongside confidence building exercises we've just been a bit lighter on the separation training um as well but it, it depends what other issues they've got similar to what you was on about with with your dog louise like that she's got generalized anxiety when we get a lot of these street dogs coming to us they tend to have a whole other load of problems like reactivity as well as separation anxiety that we're having to deal with yeah yeah, I mean, we we I've worked. Luna did have it was edging into reactivity. Well, she is reactive, but with the counter conditioning behavior modification training that we do with her, she's doing really, really, really well. And I am really proud of myself for that because we've managed it 
at every step of the way. And don't get me wrong, um, sometimes it is really hard. And I normally ring up Jay crying. Um, <laughs> but yep, yep, she's nodding. Um, yeah, it, but, you know, it, management and kind of that kind of really does help. And I genuinely believe had I not done as much as I've done with her, this dog would not be the happy girl she is now. I'm, and I say happy in her own way <laughs> she's a really 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 happy girl I mean Jay loves her <laughs> I love her to bits yeah. she's gorgeous yes. she is she's such a sweet sweet girl but the world for her is a bit scary and anything novel new um she finds a bit scary um anything in the distance that she can't quite make out we think maybe she's got a bit of an eyesight problem and um, she had cherry eye when she was a puppy or younger puppy and she had to have surgery and we just think maybe there's a bit of disfot like a distant sight's not very long because when things get closer she's like no that's okay but where we've done we've helped her with feeling anxious she's not it's not escalated so there's always management with these things and the same goes for separation anxiety and the most important thing with separation anxiety is to not listen to those people that say just leave them, they'll get used to it. Because if it is true separation and anxiety, that won't happen. And it even may appear like they do, but it's very unlikely your dog's actually feeling settled because what happens is a thing called flooding. Um, And it's a term that Jay knows very, very well from her um re, you know reactivity um kind of stuff that she does with her 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 clients and her teaching and her, and all that kind of stuff and in her books but you know flooding is basically when I always in human terms how I always describe it to owners is imagine if you had a fear of spiders and to get over the fear of spiders they chucked you in a pit full of them and you screamed and screamed and screamed and screamed and screamed and no one came no one got you out eventually you probably stopped screaming but it wouldn't change the fact that you feel absolutely petrified you've just stopped verbalizing it that you're petrified but you're sat there completely still and to someone else it may look like you're fine but you are just absolutely flooded and frozen and are so scared that you do nothing anymore and that's unfortunately what can happen in in with both you know reactivity cases and behavioral cases and also separation anxiety cases when they're just flooded and in a separation anxiety case the dog just appears like they're okay and they're not and I guess one of the important parts of separation anxiety is is the management and this comes to a shock to a lot of owners when I say we need to suspend our absences with our dogs so for example not leave the dogs on their own whilst we're training um, and that that's really hard for a lot of owners to, to take in because it's like well how am I going to go to the shop how am I going to go out but you'd be amazed how many people um, change their routine and, and can help it's just making sure that we we get people on board to help with that because if we don't suspend those absences, you're right, we're going to flood the dog. Um, but only not only that, if we're trying to train them up and we've only got to say 10 seconds on their own and then we leave them for half an hour, we've just wasted all of that training that we've done to try and get the dog up to 10 seconds. And 10 seconds doesn't seem a lot at the moment, but, it, you know, months down the line, you'll be up to, up to minutes, hours and so on. So it's really important that we do suspend those absences. And I think it's, it's making sure you get people involved with that, like daycare, um, dog walkers, family, friends, other people in your household, you know, changing your routine so that you can go to the shop while someone else is in. And I know it's really hard for owners to, to do, but it can be done. And we have to think that this is a short term for long term gain. So, you know, it's not not long term. We're not saying never leave your dog again, um, you know, mm. but this is a short term thing to help 
get your dog over that so and to prevent the dog from being flooded on their own becoming worse to a stage where actually we can't treat it anymore because the dog's been on their own that many times and experienced that home alone spending that many times in your house that now they can't get over it so mm. um or what, saying they can't get over it it's going to be a long haul to get over it it's going to be you're, you've got all of that like damage is the wrong word but you've all that got that all history of them associating this has been really really negative that you've got to then undo um and if you've been thrown in 20 spider pits it's going to take a lot longer to get over that fear of those spiders than never being thrown in a spider pit exactly or just that (laughs) once or you know that odd once or twice and over all those all those times if we do you know it's, it's not going to work whereas when we when we do our separation training what we're doing is we're adding lots of positives to being on their own so if they ever do have a little bit of a relapse or go over threshold accidentally and when I say threshold they start whining barking etc then actually all those positives are going to outweigh that one little negative that's just happened because actually mm-hmm. it's a numbers yeah. game it's like you've just got to be like add 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 good 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 yeah. let's make you see this as good as as possible <laughs> like this this isn't scary and um, we're going to hopefully outweigh the negative experience with the fact that leaving means you're coming back and then we extend the time with which you're gone for yeah, exactly yeah I was, actually I was just sitting here thinking that sounds very like when you talk Louise about your bank account for cues and so on that you know you're, you're paying into you've got exactly the same so yeah. then you have you know if you do have a bad day it's, again it's very similar to, to what we do with the reactivity with the building up in lots of good experiences with small steps and then there are the days when they go a bit wrong I mean I talked to you a couple of weeks ago about my nightmare walk where people came at me from every direction and I had no escape route and of course the dog kicked off but because you've got that that sort of the good background of lots of good small experiences it it didn't actually do that much damage exactly it's exactly the same it's like you're positively reinforcing alone time um and as we've talked about in other analogies positive re- reinforcing something is through repetition yeah. um it takes time um but i will say from an owner side perspective i totally understand how hard it is and one of the most key things that you need to get in place to be able to get through it is a support network and that's not just from a professional that's friends and family that understand or finding people that like you don't necessarily know that understand like joining support groups on Facebook. Um, one of my now like best friends, she came on, she came on one of um, our other uh, podcasts, Lucy. Um, I met her through the um, essay pro heroes, uh, the essay heroes group, uh, the Julie Naismith one, because we connected and just became friends. Yeah. Um through the shared experience of having a dog. I mean, our dogs were literally to the day a month apart. They're both Spaniel, Cocker Spaniels. They both were exactly the same. She'd had a, an unfortunate trauma happen to her just as she got puppy eyed. And it was just like our stories aligned. And honestly, like having that support was invaluable and having someone that understands. And no, I know how it feels to when someone says to you, you've got to suspend all absences because I knew this. I knew that from the beginning as soon as I realised what was going on, and I got it was so hard to come to terms with that fact. And I, it's not my journey with that is not linear either. Either because sometimes I'll be like, it's fine, I've got this. You know, we've got pets. This is, we've got a WhatsApp group called Luna the Dickhead um, <laughs> with all of our people that can help us with care. We've got the pet sitter. Um, we've got 
pet sitter slash cleaner slash friend now um and then some friends my mom um sam of course and you know we it's a it's a it's a team effort and we manage it as much as possible to not add any additional costs through pet pet care but sometimes we need to and, and we have a kind of a good balance and it's so so important but know that i know and understand it's really hard <laughs> it is and it's particularly important for owners that live on their own. I have quite a few clients where, I mean, it's important for everybody to get a network, but I have a few that live on their own and a couple of them actually have no friends and family around. The dog struggles in daycare. And this is where it's really important to get that network because actually we're, we're limiting the support already. They've not got friends, they've not got family to help. Well, actually we're going to need, they're going to need that support. Um, otherwise they're going to go stir crazy. Um, you know, you, you can't, up in your house on your own and not being able to go out um so yeah absolutely it's it's so important um to get that support definitely yeah and if and honestly like just message me on instagram to have a moan like i have i have it all the time um with people um and i'm like no i know i hear you it's totally normal because i'll often post you know i posted a video a reel of my journey with Luna and just that it's ongoing um but some videos of her what she was like that I captured when we were trying to establish what was really going on versus on our journey and so many people messaged me oh my god my puppy's like this and la 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 and I'm like and how hard it is and I was like I, I know I hear you message me anytime if you just want to vent about it like call your puppy a bit of a dickhead it doesn't mean you don't love them I, I love Luna more than anything no offense Sam or mum or dad <laughs> but you know she's amazing but it is okay to, to you know resent them a bit sometimes it happens but doesn't mean you don't love them it doesn't mean you won't get through it and having a, a support network is really really important it is incredibly isolating isn't yeah, it having definitely. any kind of issue with it it's exactly the same mm. like I said before with the reactivity you feel like you're yeah. totally alone it feels to start with like you're the only person that that understands what's going on in that situation and then you find first one person and then other people who get it and it's just a, such a huge relief is you just go wow it, it's not me it's not just me there are people that get it there are people that understand and yeah sometimes you do just need a good vent I mean you vent to me about Luna I vent to you about Finn Big, he's actually asleep yay <laughs> change oh <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I mean, so what would in terms of um, what would be, I guess, your top top three tips for owners uh, that have a dog with separation anxiety and kind of, you know, how maybe also explain a little bit about how the sub threshold method works, kind of what you do with that? Yeah, so top tips, I guess, well, firstly, we've already mentioned one, suspend absences and get that support network. So important, like that's the first stage of your separation anxiety training. If you can get that right, you're on to a winner. Secondly, try not to rush the process. Um, I don't get this a lot, but I do get a handful. So when we start the sub-threshold training, which I'll go over, a lot of clients try to rush the process. And it's not a sprint, okay? It's it's a marathon, it's a journey. It's not something that we, we need to rush. And a lot of people will be fixated on the time that they're trying to build up with their dogs they're so fixated on that that actually um, they're not watching how the dog's progressing so they feel like they're getting nowhere and all they're going every day is well we just can't get past this one minute we just can't get past it and then the next day they get a bit pushy um and then just because they want to hit that target time so a lot of the professional training is about the duration that we're trying to um 
get our dogs to. So each day we're going to be up in duration, but it unfortunately doesn't always go in a straight line. So one, one word of advice there when you start your training is, is just don't get too fixated on the clock um, because that's really, really important yeah. for the training. Yeah, get think of it more of, and I, I'm guilty of this, I'm one of the worst for this because I'm like, I've got to be the best at everything. <laughs> and so does Luna. Um, but what I try to focus on is it's an, a numbers game. And what I say by that is not the time. Just try and get five sessions in a week. Like, exactly. and if it's five seconds, it's five seconds. You know, it doesn't matter. Just in, and look at my, my challenge to myself now is, just keep ticking off those departure training. It doesn't matter what time it is, as long as we're having good, successful ones that we can keep kind of just upping those. That's what it's about rather than how long can I get and how quickly can I get there? Yeah. And that brings me on to tip three, consistency. <laughs> yeah. So consistency is really important. Like if we're only training once or twice a week and then we're going getting anywhere um you know it's because we're not being consistent it doesn't matter if your session's short it doesn't matter if you're not hitting high durations um on those sessions but being consistent just making sure that you train you know four or five days a week five days is an ideal amount i always say to clients but you know we can't always do that but that is a really ideal amount to be, be hitting with your dogs and keep keeping that consistency going so factor it into your routine in terms of the sub-threshold training um basically what what that is is it's it's how we treat our separation anxiety so it's a method called desensitization which is basically a gradual exposure to um your puppy being left alone so we don't actually use any food during our separation anxiety training all we're doing is exposing our dog to the thing they're scared of but at a level that they can cope with so the reason we call it sub-threshold is we need to keep our dog below stress threshold when we're doing this training and by that I mean your dog is showing no signs of anxiety so we don't want to be seeing any signs of anxiety when we're doing this gradual build-up to being left alone so if a dog's you know starting to whine and bark at 10 seconds the likelihood is we should be starting at one second two seconds because they're probably been that we might not even be able to get out the door straight away and usually we start with a with an exercise called door is a ball which i'll come on to in a moment but we basically want to feed in all those positives to being on their own so that's the method that we use um, we don't use food and the reason we don't use food is well firstly it can become a distraction so you know a lot of the advice is give your dog a kong leave the house and then and just build up some time from there your dog's either going to be distracted with that kong and then they're going to finish it and then start to get distressed they're either, and then all oh, they're not going to eat the food at all so if they're that anxious they're not going to touch the food at all or what we could also get is your kong that you give them filled with food becoming a pre-departure cue as well so basically your dog's learning when this kong comes out you're going to leave them when actually what's going to happen then is if you try and build their home alone time they're already anxious before you've even left so it's really important that we we don't use food and in addition to that if you think about it when we reinforce behaviors like say we're working with a reactive dog and we're exposing that dog to a trigger that they're worried by we're going to do that by a method of desensitization so we're going to gradually expose them to that but we're going to pair something good with that so if they see a dog that they're scared of we're going to pair the sight of that dog with good stuff but that when that happens the thing that the dog's scared of happens first and then the food comes after whereas when we leave them on their own we leave or we can't post a treat through the letterbox so how does it work you know we can't reinforce our dog once we've left the house and say this is good um so that's why we use a method called desensitization and just gradually expose them to that in terms of 
before I even start the desensitization um, process, I actually use a method called door is a bore. Um, door is a bore is basically getting your dog super bored of the door that you're going to be leaving from because we we can't remove the door as a pre-departure cue. So basically the, the door is a cue to your dog. The door means a lot of things to your dog, whether that's you're going on a walk, so if you leave them out that door, they get frustrated or whether it's when you leave that door, they get really anxious. But we need to make them really bored of that door in the first place. So the way that I break that down is I'll get owners to think about how 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 would you leave the house? Well, you'd stand up, you'd walk halfway to the door, then you'd walk the full way to the door, then you'd press the handle, then you'd open the door and go out. So if you think about breaking all of those little stages down into little pieces when we're training, what I tend to get clients starting with is walking halfway to the door and then sitting back down again. So for example, we're gonna repeat that stage until your dog's looking at you as if to say, what the hell are you doing? Why do you keep getting up and down? I'm really bored. So we want to get to the stage where your dog's just like, oh my God, stop getting up and down. Once they're at that stage, we can go, right, okay. Now your dog's bored, you're walking halfway to the door. Get up, walk the full way to the door and come and sit back down again. And you're going to repeat that until your dog's really bored of that. And then you'd move on. And we want our dog to be at a stage where they're just laying there, not even bothered that you've left before we even start building duration. A lot of owners will um, struggle because they'll try and get out the door and start counting seconds when the dog's at their feet. You've squeezed out the door and then you're trying to build up the duration, but your dog's already anxious because that door's a massive cue for them. So the door is a ball training is really important before we start that, that desensitization process, that gradual exposure to them being on their own. Um, and some owners can be on door as a ball for weeks before they get to the duration building some it can be a few days and they're they're out the door so that's really dog dependent it really depends where your dog's thresholds at and in terms of i'm not saying it's it's i'm not saying that it's not normal for your dogs to walk and follow you to the door because at some point they are gonna they're gonna do that okay they're gonna get up and plug to the door it's weird it's weird behavior to watch luna's always like what are you doing <laughs> but now she's like whatever yeah. she's coming back in and that's what you're looking exactly. for exactly so you know, we, we try and reduce that rush to the door with the door is a ball training. We don't want them right at our feet rushing. Um, but once you start building up your time outside, they might get up and plod to the door. But then what's important then is looking at the behaviour signs that are going on when they go to the door. Are they anxious or are they relaxed? And that's the important part of the training because some could go to the door and then walk off and settle down again. Some might go to the door you know get really close to it if they get close to it sniff the door crack really closely or the tail lowers at these points these are really good indicators that your dog's not going to be happy and they're probably going to go over threshold at the door at some point so it's really important to monitor those signs and um, you want to be coming back in before your dog goes over threshold now we don't want to we don't want to be coming back in all the time when they're holding it together so when I've just said the dog goes to the door and they're, they're really tense at the door we don't want to be coming in at that point every single time because again that dog isn't going to learn that being on their own is safe so we have to try and keep them relaxed to that point where they're like oh yeah great I'm okay with this so that's what we mean about that threshold keeping them below that and you will only learn your dog's behavior the more you do this training um, it's really important that you have a camera on your dog so you can look at what your dog's doing it's really important if we're not watching them we have no idea what's going on and we're never going to be able to effectively build up the time there so that's really important part of the training and I think um we're like an SA pro like Jodie is and soon to hopefully be me when I graduate um <laughs> where we can help you is we will help you in learning your dog and learning their body language and learning yeah. you know what to look out for when to push you know as in when we say push 
when next time to up that time a little bit more when it's when we're we should probably just stay at that time and when to kind of reduce that time what when we're okay to go past doors about to what we call departure training which is when you're leaving the house for a period of time uh, anything from like you know two seconds to hopefully three hours four hours in the end um but that is what our job is as SA pros brackets me soon um, <laughs> we'll be able to help you with so yeah that's kind of what we're going to make you an expert in your dog and that comes back into what jay and i've spoken about in other episodes um a good trainer and or behaviorist job is to get make you not need them it is our job to prepare you to to be able to provide in the best way for your puppy or dog in whatever capacity that is whether that's with just having a puppy and and doing all the normal stuff whether that's with reactivity with someone like jay whether that's you know with, with separation anxiety um, that's our job to prepare to prepare you and actually if you do have a puppy uh jody's just launched her youtube channel so you should go and check it out because she's got some really really good videos on there and there's obviously my online puppy course as well um so there's lots of now accessible ways you can you can get you know information for example with puppies um but yeah i mean that has been that is so 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 useful for our listeners all the all the information you've given them they're gonna be they're so lucky (laughs) yeah well this is it and like you've said there like in terms of of like having us on board like the biggest part of our separation programs and what yours will be when you're uh, SA pro as well is is supporting your clients educating your clients on the body language and making sure that they understand the process because yeah we don't want to have them on with us forever do we our jobs to um, le- teach them I'd love to I get quite emotional when my clients leave me <laughs> I'm like oh my goodness um, but you know it's it's an achievement when they have been able to go off and do it on their own um, but as you say also there's you know there's loads of resources out there as well um, just make sure you're getting it from reputable people like ourselves yeah you know my my biggest thing that I always say to owners is or guardians is um don't leave your dog or puppy to cry out um it's it's just not it's just what are you teaching your dog? actually think about what they're learning in that that them uh, expressing any emotion gets nothing um and that's not going to make anyone feel good but if you're anxious and you're going I'm really anxious and everyone's just ignoring you that's not going to help your anxiety <laughs> you know you're just going to feel more anxious <laughs> Because you're like, well, no, you know, no one's going to help. No one can help, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, Jay, any any kind of any kind of thoughts um, before we finish today's episode? Um, I have a, a question, actually. Yeah. Are there any sort of particular types or breeds of dog that are more prone to separation anxiety, or is it just it's an individual case by case basis? Well, I think because I have a, a border collie, and you know, we all know what control freaks they can be um so I can kind of see how that kind of dog might tend a bit that way because they like to know where their people are at all times I just wondered if you if you sort of saw anything along those lines I I I don't think it's very breed specific I think it's individual specific I think it's I think it's down to a lot of factors so again genetics of course are going to play a part in this you've got you know your genetics you know breed you might get a dog that's more frustrated with your type of breed that you've left because, you know, you've got what they want to do is keep everyone together, things like that. So, you know, you're going to have more potentially frustration 
FOMO kind of behaviours. Who gets FOMO? Is FOMO? Is All it a, the time. Is it a breed thing? <laughs> it's so is annoying. It, you know, is it not? Who knows? But, you know. Oh, Finn has massive yeah. FOMO. <laughs> But, you know, it's it's individual based because we, we could flip that and go, well, a lot of cockapoo owners like to um, attend to them a lot. So they're quite clever. They're quite attention seeking. So I get a lot that will attend to those behaviours a lot. So then we get a, a dog that is more frustrated when they don't get that attention and a bit more FOMO. But, you know, or you could it's just it's just the way your dog is, you know, because they're into everything. So I think I think it's very individual dependent personally. But you could you know, you, you might get more like I say, frustrated behaviours, as I've said, in terms of certain certain breeds, potentially. Um, but it's all about um, that individual and what's going on. If you look in the dictionary under attention seeking, you probably will find a picture of Finn because he's just... Yeah, yeah. don't worry. Luna, Luna will be right seeker. there with him. Um, <laughs> hello! <laughs> We're the dickheads! <laughs> oh. Oh. But no, you know, and I, I think, I mean, I've already said this before, but the medical side of it is so important I get a ton amount with medical issues alongside separation whether it not always just medical but even things like getting the diet right you know the, the diet is so important we spoke about sleep and I'm going off a bit no, no, no. Here, but diet is really really important because that will affect your dog's mood um you know think about if we've got tummy ache every day if we've got soft poos we're going to feel crap we're going to feel moody and that's going to really impact how your dog's separation training is going to go overall so making sure that those are those things are um, taken into consideration my, my first question to all my clients is like how's your dog's poos you know is it sick often how does it yeah. move <laughs> honestly look at your dog's poo people forget to actually look at the poo it's such a good Huge. indicator it can indicate you know stress affects um you know the digestive system um and you know if they're feeling poorly if they you know it is it's a bit of a chicken and egg type thing but the more you're kind of building up this picture of what's your dog's normal the more you're going to know what's abnormal and you know if your dog has always had a runny tummy it might you know that's not normal you know you you that should be looked into um and it it shouldn't just be passed off as oh well dog he's just always poos have been like that maybe the diet's wrong you know maybe there's an underlying medical reason maybe your dog's always anxious and it's causing it to, to have an upset tummy it, the likelihood is there is something um so really don't forget to look at your dog's poos <laughs> this, this is where people think we're weird isn't it because yeah. we're so obsessed with, with looking <laughs> yeah. at dog poo how's your poo <laughs> all my clients get us put a poo score going. they all get a poo score chart my clients if i'm if i'm ever dubious that they're not telling me the truth or they're like oh, I'll, I'll get them to score, score their poo <laughs> but um it's so important that the first thing you can do is get a poo sample. You know, it's the easiest thing to get if you if you think your dog's got really intermittent soft food. Obviously, look at the diet. If you're on a rubbish diet or anything like that, that's going to absolutely affect it. Puppies in particular, though, if you're getting soft poos, it can be normal in puppies, but I see an awful lot giardia in puppies, which is a parasite um, that puppies get an awful lot. And I've had quite a few that have had intense separation issues because they've had this giardia, which has caused them upset tummies. And a lot of the time, um, they get sort of pushed to the side that they've got an allergy or a food related issue and actually there's something else going on there and the giardia can really affect their behavior long term so it's if you've got a puppy that's got soft stools quite a lot get it checked because the, the giardia is only passed on through you know 
outside stagnant water things like that and puppies put so many things in their mouths which is why it's why i think it's why i see it so much in puppies because they pick up everything and like to eat everything that i see it an awful lot and it goes underdiagnosed quite a lot so something worth noting there is always get a poo sample if you're unsure because it can it can increase the giardia can increase attention seeking behaviors anxiety um it can make them eat their poo for example um, and things like that so always take that into consideration as well and then if there's nothing wrong with their poo look at diet as well um you know go down the diet route think about what you what your dog's having <laughs> i've just got luna trying to give me a cuddle Say hello. She's, she's giving you a cuddle yeah. oh, hello. oh it's been, you guys can't see but our dogs are trying to get involved um one thing i did that did just pop in my head before i finish which i i i think is so 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 important um to know as an owner is you haven't caused your dog's separation anxiety. It's not your fault. You know, there are things that can be done differently. Um, and there are things that you we can teach you to, um, you know, to do better. But, you know, you no one's actively tried to cause their dog's separation anxiety. And you're never going to be blamed or, you know, anyone that, that you're going to is going, well, you've done this and it's your fault you shouldn't be continue seeing them. That's a dog trainer. And if it's a friend, you can tell them to piss off. Um, <laughs> and you can tell them I said that. Uh, you know, don't, don't feel bad. There's, of course, things we can do to prepare our puppies and dogs as much as possible. But I did everything by the book with Luna. Um, I literally filmed a puppy course with her. Um, and she's her training, training is great. She's very trainable. But she she just was like that from day one and I did everything right so please don't be kicking yourself or feeling bad you know the best don't and don't let that be a reason that you stop getting help because suffering in silence is still is still suffering <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um great well that has been so so useful and it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today um any kind of final thoughts and takeaways any kind of any final thoughts Jay other than your question I've just been sitting and listening because this has been absolutely fascinating. I've learned loads. It's been brilliant. <laughs> Jay, Jay loves these. The, the like really like technical <laughs> episodes are her absolute favorite. I mean, I just love a rant, but she likes the technical. <laughs> oh no, I am full on nerd. It's great. <laughs> Bring it on. Um, yeah. Any any kind of final thoughts from you, Jodie? I think you know same as you really you know don't don't be blamed don't be blamed for your dog separation anxiety to be honest I think a lot of owners get blamed for it like oh you haven't left your dog yet you need to leave your dog or you know just leave them on their own or you know you're not doing that right you know a lot of people will try and get involved even when you've got a dog trainer on board they will still try and get involved but just you know just go mm -hmm. with trust the process go with the process it works trust me it's it might be slow but it works it works to a t and it's ethical you know we're doing it's this ethical. we're doing this kindly we're looking after our dogs you know exactly. we're not throwing in the pit, pit of spiders whenever anyone says to you if you've got a dog with puppy with separation anxiety whenever anyone says to you just leave them just remember that's what's happening um it's a really good analogy that people can understand um but if you're ever if you're not sure if you've got 
a dog or puppy with separation anxiety, please feel free to reach out to me or Jody, and we of course can get you booked in for you know even just even just a quick call or chat or message and go yeah no actually let's get a consult booked in to see what's going on here. I suspect there's some things going on or no no that's just normal puppy behaviour. You know that's absolutely fine and that's kind of what we're here for. Um, and yeah, thank you again for your time and Jay. As always, it's lovely to chat to you. Um, don't forget that you can contact me at Canine Friends UK on all my um, social media handles and at www.canine-friends.com. And Jay is contactable on. You can get me at Bloomer Minion on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can also get me on goodguardianship.com. And Jodie, we can get you on. I'm on JG Behaviour Dog Training on Facebook and Instagram. And you can get me on jgbehaviour.co.uk if you want to go on the website. Amazing. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you soon. Thank you.